is a fundraiser for, I mean, it's called Boys with a Future, which is a program of Good Neighbor Ministries. And it provides academic help by, um, we take our kids to Sylvan Learning Centers, which is extremely expensive, but very, 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 very effective. We've, we've committed the first $20,000 from the show to Boys with a Future. I almost can't stay inside my skin I see about it. how excited I am about this show. So the house lights are going to go to half and the, the a hush will fall over Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next thing that you'll see mm-hmm. is the logo of the show on the main curtain. But the next thing that you'll hear is this 70 voice choir singing behind that curtain. Somehow, someday, you're going to make it through these times. And the curtain's going to go out okay. there. Yeah. Turn it up a Thank you so much for tuning in to the Drop the Disc podcast. This is a special edition of Local Highlights. We are currently highlighting a unique and an extraordinary one-man show coming to Augusta in February, presented by friend of the show and former Broadway musical lead, Russell Joel Brown. This event will not only be a cool, unique experience, it will also be a fundraiser for a local charity that helps children in need to keep up with their classes and education. And if you wanna go ahead and buy tickets to this event and support this local charity and have a pretty cool experience for you and your family, or maybe your friends on February 18th, 2022, go ahead and go to russelljoelbrown.com. And we hope that you enjoy today's rendition of Local Highlights with Drop the Disc. It's just another day on the road to be great Got a list full of goals and so much on my plate Another episode of my life to the date, yeah And I'ma do it all with a smile on my face In the land of the free, at yeah, the home of the brave The only way you grow is if you learn from mistakes And never stop the hustle, gotta keep up the pace I ain't got time to waste, I got moves I'ma make, yeah It doesn't matter what the topic is We gon' talk about it on Drop the Disc We can dive in on city politics or I can brag about my accomplishments If you hating on the city, it is not a fin Problem is that you're probably lacking common sense Augusta got so much talent that'll make it big And you gon' see in here first, don't drop the disc Ay. Learn a lot about the 706 About to chop it up with David and Chris A lot of interviews you would hate to miss AUG in the mix, just drop the disc uh. Learn a lot about the 706 to chop it up with David and Chris A lot of interviews you would hate to miss AG in the mix, just drop the disc And remember, as this is a special episode, you won't hear any ads, but all of our stuff is presented by Nancy Powell of Powell & Associates. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Oh, and shout out to C-Lark for this awesome, awesome intro. Find him at C.Lark anywhere you listen to your music. Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey guys, I'm David. And we are Drop the Disc Podcast. Yes, we are having a reunion today (laughs) uh, with a Broadway star here in Augusta, Georgia. And today we are here with... Russell Joel Brown. Russell, thank you for joining (laughs) us. And for those who might be new to the show, and by new to the show, I mean have started listening in the last year and a half. So not that new, but relatively new. (laughs) Uh, You may may not know that we interviewed Russell... uh, 
also in September of 2019. So we're going to do a little bit of the story background for y'all. But if you really want to hear the whole thing, go back and listen to Augusta Better Than New York with the Augusta players, because that will give you the full story. Right. So, Russell, tell us a little bit about your background. Are you from Augusta? I am from Augusta. So thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm from Augusta. I went to Immaculate Conception, Episcopal Day School, and Aquinas. All Graduated. places that are still here, too. I All mean, places that are still here. Very yeah. cool. You made it sound like he's old or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm only 57 so far, <laughs> but we're still counting. Um, <laughs> we're still counting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I graduated Aquinas in 82, and then I went to Atlanta and... Um, studied at Morehouse and so I graduated Morehouse, sang with the Glee Club and I was a soloist and the quartet and all of that. And then I moved a lot of different places, but then I lived in New York uh, for 27 years. So, and you lived in New York for kind of a specific purpose. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I did, sure. So New York is the kind of place that you really have to go for a reason. Like nobody just kind of <laughs> nobody just kind of ends up in New York or oh I think I'd always like to live in New York. I mean it's it's too hard. The cost and it's of too, living is the nice. Living. The neighbors are awesome. <laughs> right. That's right. It's easy to get around. You can always meet somebody nice. <laughs> no, no. Um, but I went to New York to be an actor. Yeah. And so um, I didn't know if I could make it. I mean, you know, nobody knows really before you get there. Until you get there, you can't really know. But um, I thought that I would have a shot at it. And I was certainly eager enough and passionate enough. And so that's what I went there for in 1990. And I stayed until 2017. Now, we're going to talk about what you're doing back in Augusta. But before we do that, I want to get a little glimpse of your resume from your time acting in New York. Because I think that when people hear the rest of this, it's going to be really important that they understand this resume that's coming at them. Right. So um, as any everybody else, I got to New York and I was doing whatever jobs would come acting wise. Mm. But I think the uh, difference for me from a lot of my friends who were in New York is that when I got there, I made the decision that I would not take any job that was not singing, acting or dancing, which so is not easy. It's not easy because, you know, the rent keeps coming. It keeps coming every month. But I um, so I did, did a lot of like low paying jobs, but jobs that allowed me to accrue insurance and uh, equity weeks uh, with the professional union. Mm -hmm. But uh, once my career took off and that was probably about five, four or five years in, um, I sang for a lot of famous funerals. So I sang for Arthur Ashe's funeral and Dizzy Gillespie, Cab Calloway, and um, Thurgood Marshall. Wow. All of those at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine, which happened to be across the street from my apartment. So um, I was very convenient. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't so convenient when I went over there to tell them that I was new in town, that I really wanted to sing at their cathedral if they had any paid <laughs> positions. And they were like, yeah, you were not really interested. And we only have auditions once a year and it's not now. And it was <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> right. Right. So welcome anyway, to New York. Welcome to New York. Yeah. I tried to give the guy my picture and resume and he was like, yeah, I won't need that. You can bring it back when Oof. the audition is. And yeah. I was like, so when's the audition? He was like, it's not now. <laughs> I said, well, I have hundreds of these, so I'll just leave that with you. <laughs> if you should day. need me, yeah. <laughs> if you should need me, I'm just across the street. That's right. And he was like, he was looking at me like, can you just leave me alone now? And just a couple of months later, he called me and I was off to the races. Like, I think I sang eight funerals over there, but those were the most famous. So, okay. and then um, I worked at a restaurant on 57th street and 6th Avenue called Motown Cafe. So it was very much like a hard rock cafe, mm -hmm. but they, their model was that they would have a live show every hour. 
And so they had wow. to hire singers to do this live show and sing for three or four minutes, one time an hour. <laughs> well, it was a sweet gig. I mean, yeah. You know, you go and sing and then you just kind of hang out until the next, um, next show. So I did that for about a year and a half. But while I was there, all of my friends who, with whom I was working, all of them got hired for Smokey Joe's Cafe. Broadway, London, the tour, I mean, all of them except me. Mm. And I was like, what's happening really? I mean, all <laughs> of, I mean, they're all like leaving, right? Yeah. Anyway, by the end, I got hired for the uh, first national tour of Smokey Joe's Cafe. I did that for two years and I went to Japan with the show, came home, I did the first national tour of the Scarlet Pimpernel. And then my dad got sick here in Augusta. And so I came home to see about him. He was much sicker than I thought he was or would be. And so he was in and out of the hospital for like five months and then he died. So I was like, well, what am I gonna do? I have to figure out what's gonna happen with my mom, what's gonna happen with the house, all of that. And so I decided that I would stay for a year. And then my career here took off in a way that I was not expecting at all. I and that kind of merges into what you're here today to talk to us about, right? Yes, yes, very much so. So, you know, once I got my mom settled and, um, you know, some decisions had been made, um, I ended up um, coming up with an idea for a show. Because it, what, what your listeners may not know is that in New York, when you walk into a room, there are, there's a specific set of things that they're expecting to hear from you <laughs> based on what you look like, how old you are, what your gender is, what race you are, all of that, right? And there are things, I won't say that you can't sing in New York, but like nobody wants to hear you sing something that's outside of your type, right? Which I think is you know very limiting and very small-minded, but who am I? So I decided with this show that I wanted to do in Augusta, just a simple concert, me and a piano, maybe in a small room over at Payne College. I'm going to sing all the songs that they won't let me sing in New York, knowing that I'm going back there. And this is an, an artistic kind of freedom I'm going to have that yeah. I don't have up there. Like a passion project. Yeah, very much like a passion project. And so I um, came up with this idea and I was trying, I was like, I need a catchy tune. I need a catchy uh, title for the show. I don't know what it can be, but I want it to be big enough and whatever. So I came up with From Mozart to Motown. And so I did that show at the Imperial Theater. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough to be sponsored by D Tim's Jazz Cafe and Comcast. And so, I mean, it was such incredible support for my first thing that I didn't, I really didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I knew, <laughs> I knew how to sing, I know how to put, to put a show together, but all the rest of it, I didn't know what I was yeah. doing. But we had great support um, from so many companies in town. And so we sold out the Imperial, uh, which is 850 seats. We turned 200 people away at the door. Was that your intention, by the way, to create something that would sell out at the Imperial? It was not. It was not. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect audience wise because I'd never tried to sell anything in Augusta. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought I want I want to sell out in my hometown. Right. But that year, <coughs> my main uh, my main focus up until the show was the show itself. And in my opinion, that's a common mistake among artists mm. because if you stay in the studio creating this amazing thing and nobody comes to see it, then that's no good, right? And so now in promoting Mozart to Motown now, 20 years later, I'm completely focused on the box office. 
completely focused on the marketing and Mm -hmm. the promotion of the show because I know that the show is going to be great. And even if I have only eight weeks to put it together, like it's going to be an amazing show. But I went on sale like five months before the uh, performance, which is going to be in February. So, um, but back then I was like, oh, I'm going to work on the show. I'm going to work on the show and hopefully, hopefully people will come. And that's a big difference with experience. I'm sure it too. Is. It is a huge difference. So anyway, um, so we did that. We sold out the Imperial five times, um, from 2002 to 2004. And then in 2005, Lion King called. And so the Lion King, uh, on Broadway and all over the world, um, I'd been auditioning for them for eight years oh wow <laughs> and i mean Dedication. really going after it too wow. <laughs> I mean, you know and like that would go right at first i was going to op- open calls of course and then after going to a couple of those they started calling me hey we need to see russell oh we need to see russell and i was like okay if they need to see russell who am i to deny, <laughs> I to deny? but then I, I go in and i sing sing my whole face off yeah i act I mean, like, you know, whatever, no job, no job, no job, no job, no job. And seven of those times, I, not, no, seven years, 14 of those times, I get no job. And every audition I give is my very, very best in that moment. Well, then my dad gets sick. So I come home and for those four years that I'm in Augusta, I don't hear one word from them. There's not a Christmas card. There's not an, oh, we need an immediate replacement in Germany. I mean, none of that that I was getting before. Mm-hmm. And then out of the blue, four years later, they called and they were like, we've got to see him tomorrow for an emergency <laughs> replacement on the tour. And I was like, I can't get there tomorrow. And they were like, well, can you come on Tuesday? I was like, hey, I can come on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I did not have the money to go. It was like a $700 ticket. It was, you know, whatever. My agent was like, I will pay. You just get here. So I was like, okay. So I went, they sang me, they danced me, they read me, and they offered me the job in 45 minutes. Wow. 15th audition, eighth year. (laughs) Wow. And how long were you in The Lion King? 12 years. Wow. That's, a big, that's a big lesson, Well by worth the, way. the wait. <laughs> well Waited worth the wait. years. <laughs> 15 <laughs> auditions, people smiling, and no, then no job. Yeah, I did that. But, you know, it's interesting because... Um, I was able to do four different companies of the show. So wow. it was on the East Coast tour, I was on the West Coast tour, I was on the, in the Broadway company and in Taiwan as well. And so, you know, having all of that experience in different arenas, different countries, I mean, it was just an incredible blessing to be able to do the same property, but then to see the way that it, uh, the way it resonated with different audiences based on where we were. Absolutely. So, yeah. So that was great. And um, I did it for 12 years and played Mufasa and Scar um, on the tour Well, on, in all those companies. And then um, in 2017, I was just like, yeah, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. I didn't know what I was going to do here, uh, but I had done everything in New York that I wanted to do. There was only one other show that I wanted to do there and I was too old for it. That was Hamilton. Mm. And so I was like, I've done New York. I mean, I've gotten two New York Times reviews. I made it to Broadway. I, you know, made a little bit of money, not a lot, but, you know. <laughs> and so it's time to go home and, you know, get, get started on my second career. So that's what I'm working on now. So you came back, I came you, back. uh, the original, um, 
performance that you did back in Augusta was the, uh, what was it, the Motown? The, Mo the Mozart's to Motown was the first, oh, the, you mean that we did when I came to talk to you? Yes, I'm, I'm losing rag my time. mind. Ragtime. Rag yes. We were rag at time. the freaking, was the ragtime. <laughs> yes. So you did the ragtime in 2019. And he did not prepare us for the ending. No, I was like, I, I was totally shocked. <laughs> and I sat right behind Ryan Abel. I, oh, did you? Okay. I think Crazy we sat guy. in our seats for like five or so minutes after the ending and just <laughs> stared at each other. And right. we're like, what just happened? What right. did we miss? <laughs> but anyway. Right. Great show. So Great you come show. back, Thank do ragtime, which is very, very cool. <laughs> yes. And then COVID happens, and you can't really do any shows when COVID's happening. At all. And now yeah. we're in 2021, and we're sitting here with these little postcard guys in front of us. That yes. has the date 2022. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Mozart to Motown, the first thing you did in Augusta, is what's written on the top of these cards. So it sounds like something's coming back. So tell us what's going on. Yes. So, you know... Um, in 2019, I started planning for the reboot of Mozart to Motown. Okay. So you As already we knew doing, when we were talking to you that this was going to happen Yes, one day. I knew okay. it was going to happen, and my plan was for it to happen in 2020. Oh, yeah. So I actually um, started designing the show and went on sale for group sales in 2020, and we sold 250 wow. tickets sight unseen based yeah. on what we had done 17 years ago. And so um, then the pandemic hit and most of the people who had their group tickets um, said, just hold on to the tickets. We know the pandemic is going to be over. It'll be over soon. You'll do the show and we'll come and see it. No problem. Yeah. So then I pushed it out to May and then I pushed it out to June. Yeah. And then I was just like, come on. This thing is not ending and we don't, I mean, I didn't see an end in sight. Yeah. So I said, let's push all the way out to um, February of 2022. By then, we'll know whether we, we can do the show at all. If we like can't do it people, by then, yeah. we're never going to do any show. Yeah. I mean, you know, two, two years out <laughs> yeah. from the original date and three years out from when you start planning. Right. You know, so, and at that time, quite honestly, and I think uh, there are a lot of people who felt this way. I didn't know if people were going to come back to the theater at all. Hmm. Because if there's a worldwide pandemic and we don't get a handle on it, or if there's a worldwide pandemic, maybe going to the theater is not a thing anymore. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be, hey, you actors come to the theater and film it and show it to us at home. But it's not the same. And you'll never replace a live experience with a canned one. You, I mean, it's not possible. Yeah. So anyway, so we, um, yeah, I don't think it would have been back. as, uh, even ragtime. I don't think ragtime would have been as intense. No way. no way. There's no way. Yeah. So, so anyway, we're, uh, so we're going to do the show February 18th. I'm very excited about it. Um, we've sold 568 tickets already and, um, I'm expecting a sellout, predicting a sellout by December 1st. And so it's 10 different styles of music. It's classical, spirituals, Broadway, jazz, blues, country, African, R&B, rock, and gospel. I have a six-piece band in the pit and a grand piano on the stage, 15 high school students as my backup singers and dancers. And we're actually opening the show this year with a 50-5-0 voice choir. Wow. wow. That's awesome. So yes. this is not this. Yes. It's kind of a one man show, but it's also not a one man show. It's kind of a one man show, but not. Um, it it really, if I were doing some different material, different repertoire, um, I would be able to do a one man show. But like you can't do Motown by yourself. 
And so you got to have temptations. You got to, I mean, you can't do it just with the, uh, with the guys. You also have to have the Supremes. You have to have Martha and the Vandellas. I mean, whatever. So, um, I was like, uh, and then once I had those, that other personnel in place, I was like, well, we need some pit singers and we need this and we need this and we need this. So (laughs) more the merrier. So how many people (laughs) are going to be directly involved in this? Mm, on stage there will be 70. Wow. Wow. Yes, and backstage 15. Wow. And you are running this show and you're in the show. I am <laughs> responsible for everything. I hear what you're saying. I'm not running the show though. I have right. a director who's coming in from New um from Atlanta, sorry. Wow. His name is uh Kenneth green and he has a couple of shows running at six flags he's been special events for spelman college some work over at morehouse i mean you know he's a great director and choreographer in his own right so i hired him to uh come and direct and so you're more like the producer i would i would say i'm like the producer okay yes yes um so of course we have great great uh, financial support um peter knox is our primary sponsor we also have um I mean, we have so many sponsors who are supporting the show. Um, and so I'm not the producer in that I am providing the money. I am. Right. I was responsible for going to get the money and right. then deciding you know, how the money would be spent. Right. So let me get this straight. This is your product. This is my product. This is something you did 17 years ago, mm-hmm. just on the whim because you were excited about for it. Fun. Wanted to do something fun. Yes. And now this is showbiz. It's this showbiz. is it. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> so this when it says, it. that's a good way to word it. And he now with showbiz. Russell Joel Brown. That's attached to the name. That's attached to the name. That's so cool. See yeah. what there should be is an asterisk here. It's like and a hundred <laughs> other people. Yeah, that's, right. that's right. They have to get their own show. <laughs> that's right. And then I'll be in their show. <laughs> So tell us a little more about this. You're selling yes. about 1,200 tickets. It's 1,284. So, so there's about the 700 mailer. still out there in the world to be purchased. Yes. Um, and I see that you can go to russelljoelbrown.com to purchase those tickets. Yes. However, yes. tell us a little bit about what to expect out of this. Let's start with that. Okay. I'm glad you asked because I'm, <laughs> I almost can't stay inside my skin I see about it. how excited I am about this show. So the house lights are going to go to half. Right. And so that the house lights, of course, are the lights that are out in the audience. The house lights are going to go to half. I can tell you're you're producing this, by the way, by that first sentence. The house lights will go to hell. That's right. I'm on top of it. (laughs) Yeah. And the the, hush will fall over Jerusalem. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next thing that you'll see Mm -hmm. is the logo of the show on the main curtain. But the next thing that you'll hear is this 70 voice choir singing behind that curtain. Wow. Somehow, someday, you're gonna make it through these times. And the curtain's gonna go out there. And you'll see 70 robes across the front of the stage, right? And they're gonna sing this uh, spiritual blah, 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 blah. I won't tell you the next thing that happens because that's this big surprise. Right. But um, then we will sing. um, Are you gonna come out of a present box? I thought about that. (laughs) But since we've already used it, it's already on the logo. It's already on the logo. Okay, okay. I didn't. That idea is used. We can't use it. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, we're going to sing. Uh, <laughs> we're going to sing "Revival" by Gregory Porter. Okay. Then, if I had only had a brain, uh, a <laughs> samba arrangement of that. Really. Right? I'm debuting a, uh, an, an aria that I've been afraid of for 30 years. Nessun Dorma. It was made famous by Luciano Pavarotti. Then I will do. Um, We're pretending like we know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, you would There's know. There's someone out there. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how you would know this. Okay. At the Grammys a couple of years ago, Luciano Pavarotti, who was one of the three tenors, was supposed to sing this aria on the Grammys, and he got sick at dress rehearsal. And Aretha Franklin said, "I know it," and she <laughs> sang it. This operatic uh, aria. Okay. By older gospel singer, right? Right. And you're like, if Aretha killed Franklin it. can do it. She killed it. Right. And so I'm going to sing it Pavarotti style. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then from there we go to uh, Wheels of a Dream from Ragtime. Okay. And then Ain't Nobody Here But Us Chickens from Five Guys Named Mo. <laughs> that fin ends the first act. The range. <laughs> yeah. The second act starts with Blue Ain't Your Color, Keith Urban. Into Chattahoochee, <laughs> Alan Jackson. Wow. Into, yeah, I mean, it's so this incredible. Says, this yeah. says Mozart to Motown, but it doesn't, but there's it, there's literally a two. So it's literally everything in it's between. It's literally every, I mean, it's 10 different styles. That's so, crazy. yeah. I love that. We're doing um, Long Train Running, Doobie Brothers. Doobie we're Brothers. We're doing, uh, I mean, you know, where can you hear Ray Charles, Pavarotti, and Doobie Brothers right. on the same bill? You yep. can't, I mean, there is nowhere. So, so this is almost like a tribute to music. It's a tribute to music <clears throat> and all cool. the music that I love, that everybody loves, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like like uh, when I worked at Motown Cafe, for example, in New York, the um, <clears throat> general manager used to say, Motown is universal. There's nowhere, there's no one, there's no group of people that doesn't love Motown. And so our success is assured if huh. we pr pay tribute to the music. And so that's what we did like every hour. So in this show, everybody loves Motown, but I mean, there is someone in Augusta who loves all nine of those other styles. Yeah. Right. And I believe, like I had a voice teacher in New York whose name was Melvin Jer Jordan. And he used to say, Russell, good singing is good singing. There's only one way to have healthy singing. Now, stylistically, you're gonna make a lot of changes, but if you're doing it in a healthy way and you're being, if you're showing integrity to the style, mm -hmm. then there's no way that you're not gonna communicate from heart to heart, and that's your job as an artist. Communicate heart to heart. And the people may not know the translation, but if you know it and you live it and you believe it and you sing it, they're gonna get it. Yeah, it's almost like they know what you're saying even though they don't know what you're saying. That's right, that's right. Yeah. So, so I don't want to spoil the show. So let's we th this concept is very cool by the way. And Thank and you. also original. This right. is not Which is something super cool. Right. This <laughs> well, is not you. something that like people just do casually and it's like, "Oh, well, or you can't I'll see, catch this again yeah. next month." Type or I'll thing. catch it in yeah. Atlanta or yeah. I'll catch it in Columbia. It's no, not it's, not here. it's, it's not, here. It's here and it's only here. here. I've never done it anywhere else. So one of the things that you set you have on this flyer that I'm holding says that uh proceeds are going to benefit boys with a future. Can you yes. tell us about that a little bit? Absolutely. So about two years ago, I was approached by Good Neighbor Ministries over in Harrisburg. Okay. And they are a nonprofit that uh, was started about 13 years ago by 
Gloria Norwood, who is the widow, widow of Congressman Charlie Norwood, that the VA is named after, mm-hmm. and Marsha Jones. And so they started a nonprofit, and the, the motto is um, improving Harrisburg by loving our neighbor. And so they're doing like um, utility bill help. They're helping with housing. They're helping with, you know, navigating the school system or whatever for the people of Harrisburg. And so um, they approached me uh, because there were five boys in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. who had witnessed a friend of theirs be murdered Mm. in front of them by another boy in the neighborhood, like a 12 or 13 year old. And that happened in January of 19. In May of 19, no, March of 19, they approached me and they said, well, we've heard about your work with children and we'd like for you to design a summer camp to help these kids process this trauma because they have not, they haven't processed it and they need someone to help with that. So I was like, I can absolutely design a camp, but I know nothing about helping someone process trauma, mm-hmm. but I can certainly design a camp that will help them to express their thoughts and help them to express their feelings. And maybe we can get some mental health professionals to be on site. If anything should come up, then we can, they can have a sidebar with uh, the mental health people. We did that. It was very successful. It was two week camp, five days a week, four hours a day. So at the end of it, the um, folks at the church asked me, well, could we turn this into an after school program? Because we don't want to just turn these kids out to the streets. And um, if we have this good thing going, then let's turn it into after school after school program. So that's what we did. I was in this summer at the end of the summer 2019. Mm -hmm. And it's been going strong ever since. So. The show is a fundraiser for, it's called Boys with a Future, which is a program of Good Neighbor Ministries, and it provides academic help by, um, we take our kids to Sylvan Learning Centers, which Mm -hmm. is extremely expensive, but (laughs) very, 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 um, like, measurable results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very effective. Yeah. So... We've had great strides with them. And so um, we do homework help there and tutoring. We have arts instruction. Um, so I've hired like the best dance, arts, music teachers that I could find to come and do six week modules with the kids. And um, so we did that. And we do uh, recreation and missions, which they do. They play basketball up at Trinity on the Hill mm. um, Methodist Church um, every Sunday. So a lot of those things had to be suspended for the pandemic, yeah. but um, we are coming back and um, doing what we can. So um, the first we've, we've committed the first $20,000 from the show to Boys With a Future. Wow. I heard so, you say we and I a lot in that. It sounds like you're pretty committed to I'm that very, program. I'm very committed. I'm actually the director of it, and I sit on the board of Good Neighbor Ministries now. Wow. So um, it's an interesting position to be in, an employee and a board member, yeah. but whatever. Um, <laughs> Another star for you. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. You did a great job. I'm so proud of you. Or the flip side of that is like, man, this guy just cannot get it together. <laughs> right. I, I don't know what we should do about him. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's going to be great. Um, so you're basically have, committing $20,000 to help that after school program yes, be funded, have staff, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I really believe in it. You know, I, I, it was never my intention to run an after school program. It was never my intention to work in Harrisburg. Mm. But, um, you know, it's just 
to me, it's the way that God works Mm -hmm. and like God knows the desires of your heart and you can't make the plans that he can make because he knows where all the doors and windows and checkbooks are. (laughs) And And checkbooks. And checkbooks, which are very (laughs) important. important. These are important. Yeah. So, um, so I'm really committed to it. And I knew that, I knew that if we invested the time Mm -hmm. and we had enough money to have the time mm-hmm. with these kids that we could make a difference. So, whereas we had a kid who came in reading on a kindergarten level, yeah. eighth grade, mm-hmm. well, like, what do you do with that? Well, we decided he's gotta be able to read. He can't be successful at anything if he can't read. So, let's make it all literacy. And so, within a six month period, he went from kindergarten to second grade level reading. Measurable. That's incredible. Data, right? And so we have a kid who um, is getting ready to graduate from Josie High School. And this quarter, first quarter of this year, he made straight A's for the first time in his whole life. Now, you could say, well, maybe that would have happened anyway. Mm -hmm. But this time last year, he was thinking not not this time last year, at the end of the school year last year, mm-hmm. he was thinking about repeating the 11th grade. Wow. And his principal was like, you don't need to repeat the 11th grade. See these grades right here? Yes, they're not the best grades. They're not your best. But clearly, you can do the work. Yeah. So because we were able to help him with his time management, study skills at Sylvan, mm-hmm. now he knows how to study. There was nothing wrong with his mind. But if you don't know how to study, if nobody teaches right. you how to study, then you're in a bad position. You're in a, an awful position yeah. and you can't be successful. Yeah. So because of those things, um, I know that we need to we need the money in order to continue to run the program. Absolutely. And we want to expand because like we didn't really we weren't really sure of what we were doing to start. There are no models for it. And so what we found out, though, because we were serving the kids that we had. They were already middle and high school. Honestly, it's too late to intercede in a child's life who's not being academically successful. If you intercede in in middle school, it almost doesn't matter what you do if they're that far behind reading on a kindergarten level in Mm -hmm. eighth grade. I mean, it's, I, I won't say it's futile, but what we decided is now we have to figure out some other pathways for you to be successful. Mm hmm. It may not be academic, right? right? So um, now what we want to do is expand younger to fourth and fifth graders. And so we partnered with Rise Augusta, which used to be called Communities in Schools. Uh, You might know Laurie Cook. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, so we're working with them at Lamar Millage Elementary School to identify kids and families that would benefit from what we are offering. And as soon as we're able to go back in person, then we will bring in a group of fourth and fifth graders where now we have two levels, elementary school and high school. Is there a place where people can kind of read about this program? Absolutely. Um, At goodneighborministries.org. Okay. Goodneighborministries.org. You can read about it. Also at russelljoelbrown.com. It talks about um, Boys With a Future. It talks about the show. Okay. And I believe there's a link to Good Neighbor Ministries as well. Okay. Yep. All right. So before we we wrap this interview, Mm -hmm. um, 
give us one more time succinctly all the information people need to know about the show so that they can buy a ticket, they know what to expect, all that kind of crazy stuff. Absolutely. From Mozart to Motown, it will be at the Miller Theater, February 18th. That's a Friday night, February 18th, 7.30. Tickets are available at russelljoelbrown.com or at Miller Theater. No, I'm sorry. Yes, Miller Theater Augusta.com. And um, the tickets are available there. The show is 10 different styles of music sung by me um, classical spirituals, Broadway jazz, blues, country, African RB, rock, and gospel. There's a six piece band in the pit, a grand piano on the stage, 15 high school students as my backup singers and dancers, pit singers. And um, I will tell you that we are uh, requiring proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test result within the 72 hours before. But for your convenience, we have a mobile COVID testing van that will be at the theater the entire day the day before, oh, that's the so entire cool. day the day of for free testing or free vaccinations if you decide. So um, that should make it easy for everybody and hopefully everybody will feel comfortable coming so into glad, the theater. I'm so glad that's a thing. I that's didn't know super it was a cool, thing. yeah, it's a thing. absolutely. It's a thing. So um, this is the most well put together one man show. Well, you I've just wait until you of. hear about the VIP tickets. Oh, <laughs> tell us. So tell they're us about VIP them. tickets, right? And they come with reserved parking because, you know, there's no parking at the Miller, right? Mm -hmm. So there's reserved parking, a limo ride from the reserved parking to the red carpet in front of the theater. <laughs> Walking Are you driving the the I'm not driving. No, sir. There, any He's singing, in there singing. Any, any singing to be done, I'll be doing that. We'll have drivers for the driving. We have singers for the singing. <laughs> um, autograph program, but then um, tickets to the after party at the Pinnacle Club. Ooh. So it's a great value for not very much money. And then there are other ticket levels, of course, um, as well. So, And if you guys want to buy tickets, you can do that at russelljoelbrown.com. That's right. That's right. I hope that you'll come to the show. I'm so excited about it. I'm doing 90% new music, 90% that I've never sung in Augusta before. So that's exciting for me, too. I mean, just as an that's artist. That's really you know. cool. What's the 10% that's sung in Augusta? Um, let's see. We're doing Last $2. We're doing a lot of the Motown stuff. Okay. Uh, long Train Running we've done here okay. before. And... Um, Wheels of a Dream. And aside from that, all, all new. this brand new. All brand new. Russell, thank you. Sorry, Russell Joel Brown. Thank <laughs> you so much for coming <laughs> yeah, on the show, thanks, man. Thanks, David. Thanks, 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 Chris. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I hope you'll come. It's going to be fun. And February the, 18th. Yes, and for those of you that would like the full background story on Russell Joel Brown. But once again, yeah. You need to go check out that, that uh, episode two years ago. Uh, September 12th, 2019. It's called... And I just like the name so much that I'll read it again. <laughs> Augusta, better than New York with the Augusta players. That's yes. right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And shout out to the Augusta players and Scott Seidel for all the work that he's doing. Incredible, incredible work. And, you know, I'm just happy to be uh, serving on the, their board as well. So there you go. it's good stuff. So Thank busy. you so much. Busy, 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 busy. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.